This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, you're listening to By the Book with Sharmila Ganesan and as always, my fellow lover of local fantasy, Lichri Lin. Hello. And today we are very excited because we are joined by, um, well, a Malaysian writer whose works you might recognize, Zen Cho. She's the author of um, works like Spirits Abroad, uh, Sorcerer to the Crown. But today she's here with us to talk about her latest book, Blackwater Sister. Zen, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the story itself, right? Blackwater Sister is um, very much a locally set book. It's set, in fact, in Penang. How would you summarize the story without spoilers? Yeah, so it's about a young woman called Jess Teo and she has grown up in America, but her parents are from Malaysia. And when the book begins, she is a young adult and they're moving back to Malaysia because they've had some reverses of fortune in America. Um, So she's moving back to America. She's pretty stressed. Um, You know, she's just out of university. She hasn't got a job. She's not doing that well. Um, And she's got a girlfriend she really doesn't want her parents to find out about. And then she starts hearing a voice in her head. And it turns out to be the voice of her estranged grandmother who is dead and she never knew particularly well in life. And her grandmother, Ama, has all kinds of ideas about what she wants just to be doing with her life, basically, because like all ghosts, Ama has unfinished business. And uh, Ama's uh, kind of intentions draw Jess into adventures involving gods, ghosts, gangsters and uh, girlfriends. (laughs) (laughs) And mediums, right? Uh, Which is a huge part of the book. And I I wanted to start uh, by looking at this idea of deities and superstitions, because that really infuses so much of the book, um, as you just described. Why did you want to explore this world? I mean, what was the the starting point of the story for you? Did it start with the Blackwater sister? Did it start with Jess? You know, where was it? So it's interesting kind of asking about the starting point, because obviously the book is called Blackwater sister, but actually the god wasn't really a significant um, part of my plan for the book. And and she kind of developed as I wrote the book. I conceptualized the book at the very beginning as, you know, as being about Jess and her grandmother, Ama. And, you know, and I knew that they would be in conflict at the beginning, but that at some point they would have to join forces against a larger evil. And I thought that would be a human evil, you know, uh, the gangster that you encounter in the book, who's who's a business magnate. He's kind of gone, gone legal by now. But I realized that there needed to be this other kind of force, the black of the sister, who is a god that that Ama worshipped and was and Ama was her spirit medium. In terms of why I wanted to explore, you know, this area, I guess because I grew up in a family that practiced this form of religion. But everything was um, very taboo. So there's a there's a line in the book that says about Jess's parents that say, you know, Jess's parents, their attitude to religion is that they leave the gods alone in the hope that the gods will do the same favor um, to them. And um, and that was pretty much my parents' attitude when we were growing up. So they never, you know, we go to the temple and stuff, but they would never explain anything to us. <laughs> really, they didn't. Re- they didn't really say what was going on or why we were doing all this stuff. Um, and um, and uh, although my family members visited mediums I never I've never actually seen a medium in action because my mom's very scared of all that kind of thing so um so we kind of actively avoided that sort of thing um 
but so it was only when I grew up and I, I read this book um, called The Way That Lives in the Heart um, by Jean de Bernardi, who's an anthropologist, um, and she's based in Canada now, I think. But in the 1980s, she went to Penang and she did some field research there into um, basically the practice of Chinese popular religion, just kind of the formal word for, for this um, kind of religious tradition. And um, and she wrote this book, and I thought it was really interesting. It was published by uh, a U.S. press, um, and what it did, I think, was for me to it gave me a kind of intellectual framework for these kind of beliefs and that I had grown up around. Um, and when I and it was just so rich with kind of um, incident and anecdote, and it was just really interesting. Um, and I thought, oh, this is really this is really powerful stuff, you know. And I and I knew there was going to be a book in it, so so that's kind of where the inspiration came from. And let's look at the people in the story, right? So the protagonist, Jess, she's interesting because she's very much the product of two cultures. And at least from the, at least when we encounter her, she's really quite introspective. She's sort of a passive person. Why did you want to tell the story through her lens? Uh, so there are kind of a couple of reasons. So Jess was inspired partly by my family's experience. So we actually did something similar to her family where we moved to America when I was quite young. Not as young as Jess, I was around six or seven, so I remember this. And my dad struggled to find work there, so he then he started having opportunities back in KL. So he was kind of flying back and forth. So the book actually opens with a scene um, where Jess is and her her mom are like packing up to go back, and her mom finds this old picture that she drew, um, you know, of her father flying away in the plane, and she and her mom talks about the decision to stay in America, um, and that was actually based on a picture that I drew as a child, and my mom actually made the opposite decision. She was like, "Okay, your dad's flying back and forth from Malaysia. This isn't sustainable. Let's all move back." So um, I ended up, you know, living in Malaysia. But I think when you have had these kind of stories of kind of like migration and moving in your life, it's very natural to think about kind of what what would your life have been you know if if things had been slightly different so I guess Blackwater Sister is a way to kind of explore that from that perspective um from a practical perspective this didn't really enter my calculations that much but practically speaking because I knew it was going to be published by a U.S. publisher uh, and in the U.K. as well it was a contracted novel it just is a very useful point of view character because she's familiar with Malaysia but she's not too familiar you know the, the book says she she's visited Malaysia but she's obviously she didn't grow up there so what it means is that people can kind of explain things to her and she has she can have the kind of level of incomprehension that um, maybe an American reader or an English reader might have upon encountering the culture so in that sense she's a bit like Harry Potter who's like encountering the magical world right the, the wizarding world he doesn't really know anything so so it's a very useful point of view character I, I was also interested to have her start out in a fairly you know relatively powerless place because I just think it's quite compelling you know one of the forms of the story is a, is a, is a lot of different things at the same time but it's also a coming of age story so it's about just kind of coming into her power and coming you know coming into herself so so I guess that's yeah that's why that's she it starts with her kind of fairly fairly powerless in contrast Ama is not that um <laughs> Ama sort of enters with a bang uh, she's very fiery she's very tough as you said earlier she knows exactly what she wants and she wants um, other people to help her get it can you talk to us about that contrast and writing it into the story yeah um <laughs> so so I I tend to to write a lot of kind of um, incorrigible, like very energetic, older female characters, kind of aunties. Um, and with Ama, um, I wanted to write one that was a bit more unpleasant than the ones I've done before. So someone who is really kind of, you know, really quite 
immoral or or has a different uh, value structure than perhaps most of us do. Whether that's because she's a ghost or because of the person she is actually is, is left kind of an open <laughs> question. But, you know, we, we find out in the course of the book that she's quite, you know, she's fine doing stuff that most of us maybe might hesitate to do to our, our fellow human beings. But I guess like she was a very easy character for me to write, maybe because I, I know a lot of pushy aunties. <laughs> And it doesn't seem that much of a stretch to, uh, to you know, imagine them committing murder or or anything like that. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know that there's a mu- there's much to say about her really. I just kind of drew drew from experience. She's off settling people. Mm. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I settled them. I love Ama. She was. <laughs> I loved reading about her. Uh, we're speaking with Zen Cho about her latest book, Blackwater Sister. Let us know. Uh, do you enjoy speculative fiction set in Malaysia? Send some titles our way. You can WhatsApp us zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at bythebook at bfm dot my. Break from monotony. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn. Today we're speaking with author Zen Cho, who is, of course, the writer of books like Sorcerer to the Crown, uh, The Last Queen. Uh, today we're speaking to her about her latest novel, Blackwater Sister. And Zen, earlier we covered that the book really involves you know, gods and gangsters and... The interesting thing, though, is that the stories of ghosts and and the underworld and so on is actually centered around a very intimate family story. What was it like weaving these fairly disparate elements together? I mean, you say they're disparate, but it was very organic for me and they, they were always intertwined from the beginning of my conceptualizing of the book. I think, um, you know, Ama is a ghost. This idea of ghosts, it's a very kind of easy metaphor in a way, a very natural metaphor for, for example, the idea of inherited trauma, of like um, the presence of the past in the present, you know, the persistence of your family history. And I think also because just as a member of the diaspora, basically, and so am I, um, I think it's something quite appealing in a way about the idea that you can kind of access your past so directly that um, you can kind of connect with family members, even if they're dead and gone and they're people that you never really knew very well, um, that they can kind of come back as ghosts. So obviously, Jess isn't too happy about having Amma kind of right around in her head you know she's not a very pleasant guest but at the same time you know that's there's something kind of appealing about the sense that like oh this is the grandmother I never knew and you know I'm really getting to know her now at a level that in real life like one one couldn't really and the story takes place in Penang it's very very firmly rooted there um why did you choose Penang of all the spots in Malaysia (laughs) Well, I suppose the book that I mentioned, um, the way that uh, the way that lives in the heart about Chinese religion, that was part of the inspiration for the book. I mean, that is about um, Penang, and it's it's you know based in the author's field research in Penang. Um, it, it seemed a natural place for me to set the book. Um, I mean, there are a couple of different reasons. So um, I mentioned earlier that Jess's experience of moving from America back to Malaysia was based on mine, although I did it as at, much, at a much younger age. Um, and we actually initially, when we moved back from America, we lived with my aunt, um, the same way that Jess lives and her parents live with, with um, uh, her aunt while they're finding their feet in Penang. Um, so so I guess that that was kind of the initial inspiration. Um, if you're talking about Chinese religion, Penang's quite a good place to set a story because, you know, that, that obviously is a, a kind of living tradition there. Um, 
and I, I just, you know, I just really like Penang. Um, and um, I just kind of enjoyed the chance to spend some time there, you know, in, in my head in, in fiction. Oh, I loved it. I haven't been to Penang in more than a year. So I, I, I sort of missed it a lot reading it in the book. And one aspect that really stands out is the liberal use of local slang, local dialect. And given that you're writing for an international audience, how did you get that balance between sounding quote unquote local, but also being accessible? I guess the balance is only the dialogue is in Manglish, right? Only some of the dialogue, in fact, because Jess speaks American English. Actually, <laughs> that obviously was more of a challenge for me because I grew up speaking Malaysian English, but um, I, I wanted the narrative to be in American English. So, so I, I was quite conscious about that. Like the, um, I, I kind of got a couple of fr- like an American friend to to beta read it to try to pick up on any anglicisms because um, my English is very mixed because I've lived in the UK for a long time now as well and in fact like several terms had just slipped through that I hadn't realised were British terms instead of American terms but I'm hoping the current draft is, is reasonably uh, reasonably American but yeah so so in terms of um, making the, it accessible I mean that to me wasn't too difficult I mean I guess because I grew up reading um, you know like lot, lots of us do in Malaysia um, I grew up reading all these books by uh, Americans or British authors and they're not they don't really explain you know all the terms that they use like you know for example Americans will talk about the DMV which like I think is where you go get your driver's <laughs> license um, but I, I just like picked that up from like context right nobody's ever actually explained that to me um, and it's similar with like with the British novels that I read growing up so to me I, I thought like well um I can write a book where where people are talking in Malaysian English and they're talking they're using Malay they're using Hokkien whatever I don't need to explain all the terms because I I know this because I grew up reading that sort of book uh, but from the other way around you know non-Malaysian um, context and I could still follow the action and also it helps that that just the point of view character is American um, and then what happened actually was um, at the editing stage you know because I was being edited by by an American, you know, she would kind of say, oh, I don't understand this or I don't understand that. So I, I could then decide, like, is it something that I think readers need to understand to follow the scene or, or or not? Because to be honest, if I didn't think they needed to understand one specific word in order to understand the kind of emotional kind of dynamics or the plot mechanics, then I didn't explain it. Because I was kind of like, well, you don't need to explain every single word. You don't need to understand every single word in a book in order to read it. <laughs> Something else that stood out to me is that this is uh, really your first novel, I think, set entirely in the modern day. Um, whereas previously, you know, your other books, they're Regency books or they're set in um, an earlier time in Malaya, um, the stories and so on. So what was that transition like for you writing, you know, entirely with iPhones and, and with fancy Taufufa restaurants? <laughs> in a way it's a lot easier because I was just writing about you know our world you know my world so in a sense like it's not that I did less research because I did quite a lot of research for this like but it's like different kinds of research you know it's like it's more like asking people or googling stuff um uh, but you know like so for example there are some construction site scenes on a construction site my dad worked in construction for a long time so I just had a couple of calls with him being like oh can you tell me about the construction site what could go wrong you know how how does it work uh, who's on the construction site that kind of thing so in a way it was it was just a lot more um straightforward to write um, in another way what, what I found interesting about the experience is that so with Sorcerer to the Crown and the True Queen my first two novels as you say they were set in, in Regency England in the 1800s and I, I adopted this fairly kind of archaic voice for them you know the prose is deliberately a bit like Jane Austen and I think that kind of uh, thing can kind of be something to hide behind because in a way I'm not writing in my own voice I'm not writing in a way that I would use if I was writing emails or or a journal entry or you know in I'm 
not using the voice that I would use to, to talk to people in. Whereas in Blackwater Sister, I would say it's written in a voice that is probably very close to my own. And that actually I found almost intimidating, like almost kind of emotionally scary to kind of put that much of yourself on the page. Not not so much because I was drawing from, you know, it was less scary because I was drawing from like life experience in terms of say Jess's position in life or what happened to her. It, it, but almost the way that I was writing it, I found quite quite scary in a way. So speaking of those sorts of deep emotions, right? Um, one theme that's really strong in the book is that of female agency and more specifically female anger. Talk to us about why writing these um, was important to you. Um, <laughs> again, like it just seemed, uh, it just seemed natural. <laughs> I, I think it's always kind of challenging to explain why you're drawn to any particular story you know it, i always say with with stories i always say that they they choose you you don't necessarily choose them what stories kind of resonates most strongly with you as a creator that kind of come out and sound kind of authentic and are powerful that's that's something that kind of comes almost from the subconscious i guess all i would say is that i am really interested in kind of women and how they cope with society and i think one way to read blackwater sister to say is one of its major themes is that who you are depends on when and where you are. And that's basically exemplified by Jess and Ama and the Blackwater system. In some ways, they're all mirror images of each other because they're all women and their kind of conditions can be contrasted with each other. And Jess appears to be a lot more powerless than Ama and, and the Blackwater sister because Ama is a ghost and Blackwater sister is a god. So they have all these supernatural powers and they're pushing her around, basically. Um, but actually what you find out is Jess in some ways has... Um, is more powerful and 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 she has these privileges that come from like being uh, a 21st century woman being born to parents who care that she's happy who think it's important that she be educated um and that's not something that neither aman or the blackwater sister had now on a lighter note many elements of the book are actually really fun to read i, I was just wondering whether you had a uh, particular aspect or particular scene even that you enjoyed writing you know, I enjoyed writing most of the book. Uh, I really did. I, I guess um, the parts that came easiest are the very frequent parts where Ama and, and Jess are kind of, you know, are kind of in conflict or, or talking to each other because they they um, are both in their way such strong characters and they're from very different worlds. So I really enjoyed kind of, you know, having them come together and seeing that play out, have the dynamic played out. And um, I'm trying to think what, what, <laughs> what sort of really stands out in terms of writing. I really enjoyed creating one of the major settings in the book is the garden temple so it's this temple dedicated to the blackwater sister which is which is set in kind of a garden which is inspired by the way that lives in the heart actually which mentions a shrine grotto in penang that actually existed where these altars were like in trees and stuff i mean it's been destroyed now but that was the original inspiration so i really enjoyed writing the scene where jess first enters the garden temple and she sees a spirit medium in action I actually love the description of the temple. It, you can picture it in your mind when you when you read it, um, which leads me to ask, and this might be a bit of an abstract question, but I think it does fit the kind of work we've seen from you thus far. What does it mean to you to write Malaysian stories? That's a good question. I think a lot of my work is about working that out, like working out the answer in a way. I, you know, I always say that like writing a story, people treat the story when you've written it as kind of an answer to something, a definitive position. But I always 
view it as asking a question because writing a story is, is much more like that kind of experience that you're exploring an idea. You're not necessarily going to reach a firm conclusion. And yeah, and I think my entire body of work is kind of around that. So even Sorcerer to the Crown, the True Queen, which are substantially in, in the UK, in England, and Sorcerer to the Crown doesn't have any point of view Malaysian characters. I think in a way, it's still a Malaysian story. I mean, partly because I wrote it and I'm Malaysian, but partly also because actually when you look at the plot at the end of the book, you realize that actually one of the major galvanizing forces in the plot is kind of the politics of a small Malaysian island. And I did that, I constructed that deliberately because part of the argument of Sorcerer to the Crown is kind of, okay, like I grew up um, so influenced by the products of British Empire. You know, I read a lot of British novels. I speak English, et cetera, et cetera. And to a certain extent, that's true of everyone who lives in Malaysia. We're all a product of colonialism because Malaysia is a product of colonialism to a certain degree. But my argument was like, okay, but but Britain, so are you. And it's it's kind of a way of examining by a, a, you know, a fantasy story about hijinks and dragons and so on, examining the impact of the colonial territories on, on the metropolis, on, on the center of empire. So yeah, <laughs> that's kind of a that kind of went on, it went to different places but but <laughs> I, I guess my answer would be I don't necessarily know what it means to write Malaysian stories but, but that's kind of what I'm trying to do I think Zen in closing do you know what's next so uh, Spirits Abroad, my first book, was published by Fixie in Malaysia. It's now out of print and it was never particularly well distributed outside Malaysia. So I have found another publisher for it. The new publisher will be distributing it in the US. And, and you know, I'm really glad about getting it in the hands of Western readers. But Malaysians will be able to get copies as well. And it's, it's an extended edition. So that's coming out in August. So it's got some new stories in it, including uh, a novelette, uh, yeah, a novelette called If at First You Don't Succeed, Try, Try Again, which won a Hugo Award. Um, and um, and yeah, in terms of what comes after that, I, I don't quite know. I, <laughs> I'm out of contract, so I'm, I'm following my nose at the moment. I'm just like writing, you know, trying little different things and, and seeing what seeing what connects. I'm so glad Spirits of Bird is, is going to a wider audience. It's one of my favourite collections. So that makes Same. me very I love happy. it very much. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much for speaking with us today, Zen. Thank you. We've been speaking with Zen Cho, author, of course, of books like The True Queen, Sorcerer to the Crown, and most recently, Blackwater Sister, which is what we've been talking about today. Let us know if you've read it. Uh, do you like fantasy or speculative fiction set in Malaysia? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, or write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. <laughs> to footnotes and usually we cap off our author interviews with a, a mini review of sorts of the book itself. So today we'll be talking about Blackwater Sister by Zen Cho. Zen is one of my favourite storytellers. I have enjoyed pretty much everything of hers that I've read um, and Blackwater Sister is no different but it is actually a very different reading experience which I think was some of what we were trying to get at in our chat with Zen in that I think aside from the fact that it's a modern day story and that it is a thoroughly Malaysian story it's, it's entirely set in Penang I think that there is actually I felt um, 
a palpable difference in in tone and in language. And I'm not sure exactly why that is, whether or not it was the localness, whether it was the uh, the demands of the story. But I actually felt that it was quite a distinct book in her in her bibliography. I agree. And it's distinct for a number of reasons. One and the most obvious is that it is set in, in modern times, in, in current times. I think the other thing that I felt was most of all, if I dare say, of Zen's books have often featured a protagonist, yes, but a sort of equally strong cast of um, people around her. And it almost feels like you get inside the heads of multiple people, whereas Blackwater Sister, you're very much on the ride with Jess, the main character. And therefore, your enjoyment or, or um, exhilaration or even uh, whatever you might or might not feel throughout the story is very much tied to how much you vibe with her. And I think that changes throughout the course of the book. So I will say, though, that what I loved, um, you said localness, and that's something that I really, really loved about this book. It feels so local. You can, um, if you're Malaysian, you'll get such a kick out of recognizing places, recognizing the types of people, the way people speak. And um, that was something very, very um, organic about the whole thing. And I really love the the mythology, the uh, this idea of the local gods and the deities. It all felt so familiar. And that part I enjoyed very, very much. Yeah, I did too. So I think that for me, mm, having some distance from the experience of reading the book has led me to have a greater appreciation for it, which is not to say that I didn't enjoy the ride because I did. Like it really is. I don't know if um, our summary of it earlier really captures how it is simultaneously quite exciting, the story that it's telling, because it is it does involve gods and vengeance and gangsters and um and, and the threat of all of that hanging in the air is very palpable. Um but on the flip side it is also very introspective as a as a book because uh like we keep returning to, Jess is someone who's um very much in her head and also keeps her own counsel for a variety of reasons, right? She's quite secretive. And so um she doesn't really talk talk things out as much, right? She is a character who kind of mulls things over and works things out for herself and you have to be along for that. But I think that the passivity that she starts the book with means that when it bursts into action or intention or a plan, that stuff is really quite satisfying to read. The point I was trying to make earlier about distance though is that I think for any local person, any Malaysian who has ever been in a relative's house on a stuffy afternoon <laughs> and felt like that sort of sense of boredom and there are too many adults and they're all talking about things I don't understand. You know, if you felt that feeling when you were young of being the only cousin, right? For some reason, no one else brought their children and you're here. <laughs> Um, I, I think that that feeling is very much what Jess feels um, as the character in the book. And so, and, and I think because of us reading it in lockdown now, that feeling of claustrophobia and being stuck in a place um, in some parts was difficult for me. But I think that that's me and not the book. Or rather, it is, if anything, a measure of success for the book. I must say I enjoyed Ama, her grandmother, who is well, dead and now back as a spirit. Um, I enjoyed Ahma a lot more than I did Jess. And uh, again, I don't think that it's necessarily a criticism of the character or how she's written. I just think that Ahma is much more, um, she's fiery, she's not entirely 
good. She's she's a very grey character. She's a bit unhinged. She oh yeah, and in some scenes a lot unhinged. And I think all of these make for great characters. So you immediately hook onto her. Every time she appears in a chapter, I was just like, yes, we're back to her. And, you know, the parts when she wasn't around, I was like, when's Ama going to show up next? And similarly, I think I also found a lot of the gods because different gods are characterized differently. I really enjoyed the sort of bursts of personality that appear when these people show up in the books. I would have loved more of that. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I would read more books set in this sort of world with these sorts of characters, as well as this story of Jess. I think, however, that what there is of the gods and the respect that is shown to the tradition, to the religious traditions of it, and more specifically, the kinds of horror that a person or a human might feel when they're faced with something that they don't understand. Um, and when they are forced to walk that path, not through their choice, not because they want it to be a medium, but because their grandma is not leaving. <laughs> um, you know, that, that feeling of witnessing the divine and the divine not being comfortable, not being something that you want to sit with, not being something that you even want to look at for too long. Um, I really loved that because there were times where um, Blackwater Sister lapsed into horror for me. Yes. And, and actually that was very effective. Um, partly because it uh, we go back to localness, partly because it plays on local ghost tropes, the idea that there is a hand through a grill, um, you know, that there are, um, where we're going to try and visit temples and where things will get worse. And so I, I really like that. I, I think Zen mentioned that the book is many different things. And um, horror is actually, to me, a significant element. Speculative fiction, yes. Um, you know, infusions of mythology, yes. But the horror and comedy bits were also very much present. Oh, for sure. Um, I always find that local horror um, or local horror elements hit me a lot stronger. And, you know, when you're alone in your, in your house or your room reading it late at night, it really isn't the best feeling, which, which no is one to wants say... Fran Japani and no. White Oh, my God. And, and, and that's what I love, right? I love how the book understands what it's like to be Malaysian, to be, um, you know, living in Penang or Kuala Lumpur and going to hipster coffee places and living this thoroughly modern life, but also kind of having this creeping awareness slash respect to these things. And these are realities that most of us live with. And the book dances that line really well that, you know what, like, perhaps this is just how most Malaysians are and that's fine. I'm curious to see um, what happens in, in Zen's next book, actually, because this, like I said, felt quite distinct from the rest of her work. Um, it is not either a collection of short stories like Spirits Abroad or the continuation of a world um, like we see with the True Queen and, and, and Sorcerer to the Crown. So um, I, I would, I'm curious to know what the, the extension or the development will be of the themes and the style um, that she's exploring in Blackwater's Sister. I I want to see more of this. I say world building like this isn't a real world. Um, like but when it's not I, yeah, I know. But but I think I use that quite deliberately because I want to see more. Um, and I've seen stories like this in Spirits Abroad, short stories. I'd love to see more novels that are actually set in the modern day because I love that brushing up against of of um, reality and that line where you're not quite sure what's real and what exists. And I would really love to see Zen explore more of these 
So we've been uh, reviewing Zen Cho's Blackwater Sister. And earlier, of course, we interviewed Zen about the novel. Let us know, have you read it? Do you enjoy local fiction, particularly of this kind, supernatural fantasy? You can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, or write to us at bythebook at bfm.my. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.